Katie. I'm Erica. And this, and this is, is Book Talk. Talk. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Welcome Hi. to Book Talk. <laughs> Welcome to Book Talk. Book Talk is a weekly podcast where we read a section of a book and then we talk about it with you all on this podcast. I guess we talk about it with each other and then you <laughs> listen to it. <laughs> Once again, the DMs are open. Let us know your thoughts. We'll talk about a couple of thoughts uh, that we've gotten about uh, such a fun age. But don't comment on this intro. We're really still working on it, clearly. <laughs> I like a week. freeform intro. We yeah. just glide right into it. Okay. Quick little recap. We start this section with an awkward Thanksgiving. Alex and Kelly recognize each other from their high school past. Um, Alex tells all of her friends and Kelly tells Amira, but the night continues um, for a few more cringeworthy scenes where Tamara and Amira are folding napkins and ending with Briar getting sick and disrupting the dinner. Um, after this, Kelly and Amira leave, finally get to catch up and talk through their feelings at a dive bar and then later at Kelly's apartment. Meanwhile, Alex spends the next morning talking about what to do about the situation with her friends over brunch. Um, we end this awkward little section with a sweet moment between Amira and Briar. Um, so a lot happened this week. So one thing that we heard from our friend Levi, who is listening to the audiobook, is that we've been saying Alex's name wrong. Yeah. Um, Levi informed us that the audiobook version says her name, Alex. Um, and the follow-up question to that that Erica wrote on the outline is, why do we hate her? And I think we can start with the pronunciation of her name. Yeah, Alix, we don't love. But, I mean, we just found that out. Yeah, Alix is not good. Like, I don't understand. And so now that we've acknowledged that her name is Alix at this phase in her life, we're going to go back to calling her Alex. Yeah, I think I just can't do that. It's one of the, like... <laughs> bad things about reading a book is like we've already decided it's Alex and Amira and we're not really accepting evidence to the contrary. Mm-hmm, that's true. We're only accepting evidence that, <laughs> that supports what we already think. Like a true scientist, I've already decided what the answer is and I will be accepting no information from this point forward. Okay, I feel like we should start with a nervous thing. You know, as my one of my first therapists said, let's just like address the, uh, the um, elephant in the room. Uh, okay, so Katie... You texted me before we started recording and said you're nervous for this episode. As a privileged person and a white woman, like uh, there's a lot of intricacies of race and class happening here um, from kind of all angles. And I feel like a little nervous to discuss my thoughts and feelings on that on like a public platform, especially because I don't want any of it to sound like prescriptive or like we know what's best or we know why someone's what someone's motivations are or whatever it is. So I think it's just like nervous to make sure that we're correctly getting that across while we like tear apart the, you know, entire book, <laughs> like talk about all the parts yeah. in it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. It's obviously always a loaded topic to talk about race. It's also an uncomfortable topic usually for white people to talk about their race um, and I also think what Kylie is doing really, really well in this book is making us really uncomfortable because these situations, like things that happen in real life, are not straightforward. One conversation that didn't make it into the pod is how the situation with Robbie, because it's so confusing. Like, what is the right thing to do in that scenario? What would you do in that scenario? What 
could Alex have done differently? Should she have done something differently? Is Kelly at fault? And it's like, I think Kylie's creating this like muck for us to like, to get stuck in because it's where the, it's where the characters are also stuck. I think that's a really good point. And I think when I was debating this book, not debating it, but like discussing it with someone this week too, I mentioned that conversation because we did have like a long heated conversation about the Robbie situation that wasn't in the pod. And I had mentioned that like, we only know one side of the story. And this person was like, well, I believe her. And I was like, well, that's not what I meant by that. Like, I didn't mean like, I don't believe her. Like, of course I believe her, but I feel like she is creating this vague situation and these, it's not clear cut what side of the story you should be on. And I think that you're right. That is on purpose because we don't know the whole story about any of these characters. And we only, even the ones we know best allow Alex and Amira, we know them best from their internal version of who they are. We see them from other people's point of view, but we don't know them that way as well. So I think it is supposed to be messy and supposed to make you uncomfortable or make you think. Exactly. And this is something like we'll probably return to later in the pod, but we have this like dual dual experience of Alex deciding over brunch with her friends that they have to convince Amira to leave Kelly because Kelly's obviously a bad guy who only dates black women. And then at the same time we have Kelly who's convincing Amira that Alex is a bad person who only employs black people and he, she has to quit her job. And at the center of this is one person with autonomy who gets to decide what she does. And I think that's also the hard part is like, we're trying to decide who should do what, what they should say, what they should feel. And Amir is the one in the middle who's feeling how she's feeling and deciding what she wants to do. And it's not even really our place to decide that. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I think it does make sense. I think we see, as we see in this chapter, Amira is her own person who is more than able to voice her own thoughts and have her own opinions and, like you said, have autonomy and decide what she wants to do. Um, Like, she's clearly able to ask her what she wants um, and to talk about her situation. And I feel like instead of all across this book from all angles, people are trying to tell Amira how she can be more successful or what she should do to be seen or better or whatever it is like and I agree it's everyone trying to kind of project onto Amira what they think is best for her which is a frustrating theme throughout the book from Alex to Tamara to Kelly all of them we will say like you know getting meta for a second this is part of why we think it's important to bring guests onto the pod to hear like what they think about the book to also hear other people's lived experiences that are different than us um I think in this book we obviously have a lot of complicated feelings about Alex in particular because she projects back to us, at least to me, I won't speak for you, but at least to me, like some of my insecurities, some of my aspects of privilege, some of my aspects of whiteness, of being a white woman, et cetera. And that makes me hate her. Well, I think that happens to everyone because it's like when you are embarrassed for somebody usually or like you feel awkward about it is usually because you can identify with having been in that situation or felt that feeling. And so I do think it's what I feel for Alex. Like, again, when I was talking about this book with other people this week, they're like, you guys hate Alex. And I don't think we hate her. I think it is more, I don't hate her. It's like this embarrassment or this pity, but that's also because I can directly put myself in those. Like I can not like see me in her, but do you know what I'm trying to say? Can you articulate it better? 
I think she's like she's showing us maybe where we were at different points in our lives or she's showing like our friends who are at this point or even just the example of how honestly how whiteness works in the way you don't need to be aware of other people or in the way you can be so self-obsessed and absorbed that you have a brunch with your friends trying to convince them to end somebody's relationship. That brunch was so weird. And also like, I hate the overarching theme of Alex and Kelly, um, Alex from like the white woman perspective and Kelly from like the man perspective of both thinking that they know what's best and they're just going to like tell Amir what to do. And they're going to conspire with all of their forces to like make this decision for her because they know what's best. And another thing I was thinking about having to do with that going to Tamra and Alex is like, they're constantly obsessed with what Amira wants to do next. What's her goal? What's her, like, they don't see her as successful now. And why do they think that she's like not successful? Because she isn't what they deem as successful. This reminds me of when I would be bartending perfectly content in my life. And people would be like, well, what's your real job? Well, what are you going to do after this? Well, how long are you going to bartend for? Are you in college? Is that why you're bartending? Like, this is some people's, they are choosing to do this. And we can see that Amira loves being a part of raising Briar. And maybe she does need to leave. And that's another discussion. But them deciding that for her is like, she doesn't fit into what they assume is the meaning of success. And that is really annoying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just made me think about like the title of the book being such a fun age and I'm thinking more and more that this is about being in your 20s and you're like mid 20s where you're like, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know who I am yet. You're still like going through all of this like upheaval and yeah, it's I find the way that they treat her also frustrating, but at the same time I also understand wanting people in your lives in your life to move forward. It's like, well, don't you want these things that I want? And that's the same thing. It's like, you have to realize like you're not the center of everybody's universe and everybody doesn't have the same feelings that you do. Right. Or want the same things. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like it's very patronizing across the board to Amira. Like she's 25 and she's young, but that doesn't mean she doesn't know what she wants or who she is. And also neither of them really know her well enough to say that. And I just feel like, Yeah, they're trying to, like, make her feel comfortable, but instead of making her feel comfortable, it comes off, like, uncomfortable and patronizing towards her. Mm -hmm. One last thing about Alex that I think is makes her, like, cringy as a character is Kylie did such an amazing job at giving her these thoughts that women especially have. Well, I don't know about women especially. We'd have to ask a man to tell us about this or a non-binary person to tell us their perspective. But there are so many things she says where you're like, oh, my God, I've thought that. Like, obsessing over, like, when am I going to run into my ex and be at, like, my peak? Oh, my God, that part was so relatable. She's like, of course, when you're, like, walking in the park, she's like, white T-shirt, red lips, baby who, like, smells delicious and looks adorable, takes off the sunglasses. (laughs) Oh, my God, Kelly, is that you? Like, that will never happen. But, yes, we've all been there. And then her like, and then I would tell them like, here's this great rooftop bar. And then I would just like float off and it'd be like the perfect interaction. Even her like manipulation of her friends. I mean, it's like one of those times where you're like, you really want something to go a specific way. And you almost try and convince yourself through your friends that your motives are pure when they're not. And you just kind of want other people to justify and to be like, yeah, you're right. Like, 
I think they should break up. You're totally right. And you're like, exactly. I have no ulterior motives in this. And yeah, you see her kind of fighting that because she does also, like she has that whole conversation in her head where she's like, not 100% sure that her convictions are correct, but then she's validated by her friends. So she's like, okay, I'm fine. I'm good. I mean, they would tell me if I was completely wrong. So I must be right. Like, look. And so it, it is interesting. You're really making me think of one other thing that I think white people try and do, which is to get one black person to tell you you're a good white person. And then you're like absolved. It's like, oh, thank God. I just needed one person to be like, wow, you are really woke. And then, like, the box is checked. No one's ever going to question me again. And I do think that's the situation that Alex puts Tamara in. And we could talk more about Tamara. But she puts her in this position of constantly validating her and her experience without considering that Amira is a different black woman who may be having a different experience. And so Tamara really can't, like, validate how Amira would be feeling in that situation or even tell Alex that she's in the right. 100%. And I also, like... Amira is clearly on a completely different path than Tamara, not better or worse, but like, isn't Tamara like the young successful one who's like a principal and her kids are like perfectly well behaved and like, she's just like this idealist human who's like making out, like I just, and maybe that is where Amira will end up, but like to assume that these two people, because they have one thing in common, yeah, I think what you're saying is right, like can't validate it. The last thing I want to say about that situation is I feel like Kelly is also doing the same thing as Alex. Like, I don't feel like he's really much better to her, better than Alex in this situation and trying to tell Amira what to do. But I feel like everything he does or what he gets mad about is trying to, like, prove that, like you were saying. Like, prove that he is, like, a good white person. Like, he is a good person. Like, I, the scene when he takes his own plate to the trash and, like, helps the people who are hired – Obviously, I'm not, I don't know who her hired help people were, but as somebody who's served plenty of house parties, it really is annoying. I'm like, you're not a better person. Like, I'm being paid. Tip me. <laughs> like, you don't need to, like, carry your own plate over here. I don't think you're, like, a martyr now because you did that. Um, and also, he's, like, constantly trying to protect her, but I feel like he's focusing on, focusing on Alex and why she's the person in the wrong here. I don't think he's handling it much better. I think what Kelly might be doing is also like justifying why he actually didn't do anything wrong in the situation. Like he's actually not responsible for what happened to Robbie because Alex is the one who's messed up and she's racist and she has this weird relationship with black people working for her. And that absolves him of guilt of what happened that night at the party. Yes. I think they're both doing that to each other, which is extremely uncomfortable. Um, I also I feel like he's being a little unfair to Alex there because Amira talks about, yes, Alex had a black black maid when she was growing up. Obviously, she didn't hire that person. Like She was literally in high school. And then I feel like when she hired Amira, Amira was like, she saw me and she saw somebody like much darker than what she expected. Like she opened the door and she was like, oh, I'm struggling to believe that Alex really, I'm not saying Alex is a perfect person, but I just, I'm struggling to feel like this is really like a pattern with her that she like is doing this purposely because of some weird, like racist overt tendency to only hire black people and then like make them wear the uniform. I feel like Amira like truly does just put on that. Cause she's like, I don't want to ruin my clothes. Maybe I'm reading, you know, whatever into that part of it specifically, but I think he's being a little bit unfair to Alex in that situation. My prediction, if I had to make one about part four, is that we don't know the full story 
of Alex or Kelly. And I think there's probably more to come because we kind of have like partial stories of both of them, which leave them both like ambiguous. And maybe they're both bad people or maybe they're both good people. And maybe they, you know, we don't know. It could be somewhere in the middle. But I think there's more to come about the two of them. Even in the situation and kind of across the board, nobody's like listening to Amira. She's not saying, um, do you think I should wear my hair natural? Do you think that I should be upset she makes me wear a polo? Do you think that I should be mad that I picked up her daughter from the table? And everyone's just telling her how to feel like she didn't say she was upset that Alex leaves a polo out for her. She may very well think that that's extremely thoughtful that Alex washes it every time and hangs it up because she knows Amira spends all her money on like a nice, you know, nice clothes and doesn't want to get them ruined by her kids. Like, and I feel like they're putting how she should feel or how she should see the world because they don't think she's capable of making that decision. Okay. Also what you said reminds me of Alex accusing Kelly of only dating black women because he went through, she went through his like social media. Oh, I hated that part. had like multiple like mixed race or black women. And you're like, okay, but it's the same thing. You can't just be like, see, I've concluded from this weird cherry picked evidence, what type of person you are. They're, like, both doing it to each other. Yeah, like, why can't he just live his life? I don't know. That part was weird. I'm still a little suspicious of Kelly. I still feel, like, a little bit weird about him. Don't have a great feeling about him. But I'm like, are we really mad that he has a type? Like, are we really? Is that where we're at? I just, okay. I mean, do we know? Right. Is it, like, a is it a fetishing thing? Right. Yes. I feel like that is a really unfair. They're both being unfair to each other. Um, Exes. (laughs) Classic. (laughs) Literally. I need Alex to, like, <laughs> literally talk to somebody about the amount of stalking she is doing on both Amira's phone and Kelly's Facebook. <laughs> we know, like, we've known from, like, early on in the book that Alex is in a really confusing part of her life. She doesn't know what she's doing. She sort of lost her identity. She moved out of the city where all her friends are. Her book is not coming along. She's not making progress. And I think this is classic, like, find outside things to distract yourself to ignore the like chasm that you're feeling in your career, in your role as a mother, and also in your relationship. And this is classic, like finding the problem outside because you can't look at the problem inside. Okay. So we should announce our guest who will be joining us next week to talk about the end and the whole book of such a fun age which we can't wait. Um, Our guests have been great so far. We're sure this one will also be wonderful. Um, We are going to talk with Marisha Leak, um, a fellow bookstagrammer. She's joining us from Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, She's an educator, writer, reader, and fellow dog mom. We are so excited to talk to her. Yay. So that will be I am still um, in forevermore reading A Promised Land by Barack Obama. I am halfway over halfway done. At this point, I feel like I've already read two full books, um, but this is just his first volume. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I will warn you when you start reading it, it's like a very heavy book. And by that, I mean physically heavy. Like, it's really hard <laughs> to, like, get comfortable and read it because I think it weighs, like, 10 pounds. Yeah. So I have to, like, sit on the couch and put it on a pillow and hold it and read it like a little baby. And if I'm reading it in bed, it's, like, 
It's not good. I can't read the pages. <laughs> I have to wait till Jason falls asleep so I can like lean forward with my actual triple chin and read comfortably <laughs> because like nobody looks cute laying down. And he started reading in bed this week, which I've Aww. always thought is like my, you know, marriage dream is us mm-hmm. like reading novels in bed next to each other. And now that he is, I'm like, it's not good. Don't you look. can't don't look over. <laughs> don't look over. My triple chin is out. <laughs> I have this weird thing when I'm reading in bed and like laying down that I will shove my cell phone underneath my chin as like a little chin rest. And what? I think you should try it. When you like lay down to read, just put your like phone this? in between. Other way, flat. No, no, flat. Yeah, exactly. Just like that. Try when you're laying down. It's just like a little like chin support. <laughs> <laughs> I put my blanket under there sometimes, like hide, there the, you go. hide the whatever. But yeah, it's uh, it's so good so far though. I can't wait to discuss it with you. That's how After I feel when it. I'm like reading a book and trying to lay down with glasses. Because it's always like pushing, <laughs> like your glasses are always like shoved forward a little bit. You can't lay on the side. It's a whole like, yeah. it's an ordeal. Yeah, and I'm me in bed with this 17 pound book, trying to let my hair naturally curl dry. So I'm trying not to lay on it, trying to keep it in the pineapple, you know, and my glasses on. It's got hair in my eye while telling the story. I mean, it really is. I get comfortable, and then I'm so tired that I only last, like, two minutes reading in that position. (laughs) Um, I am reading The Transition Baby right now, and it is crazy. I, like, it's so good. It's just very interesting. The characters are really interesting. I think you would love it. So it basically tells the story of a trans woman and then a detrans detransitioned trans woman so a woman who was on estrogen who then stopped taking it and it is so interesting because I just don't know that much about like how trans women relate to each other and about how like it can be really difficult to come out as a trans woman and some women go back and like detransition is the term and so it's these two um trans women who were in a relationship and kind of what has happened since they broke up I have no, I want to read the book. I'm really interested to learn about it. I feel like I'm learning so much building out this gender affirming care program at Equitas. So, you know, any more knowledge is also better. But I edited like five long PowerPoints today about transition surgeries and medication therapies and pharmacology. So I am like here for it. Let's learn about it. Let's do it. I am running late per use and um, need to go. It's my sibling, my twin sibling's birthday today. I need to buy their gifts, pick up wine, pick up wonton wrappers for the dumplings for dinner, and get there by the next 45 minutes. I have faith in you. Gift cards for everyone. Yay! One last piece of housekeeping to do. So we promised that we would draw the book that we're going to be reading next earlier based on feedback from one of our listeners that um, they just didn't have enough time to get the book from the library. We love a library bestie. So we're announcing the book now. When we recorded this episode, Katie and I picked a book, which was Clara in the Sun, which doesn't come out until March. So that's not going to work. (laughs) so we went back 
to the drawing board to pick another book, and the one that we found is so hyped, a little terrifying. I cannot wait to read it. We are going to go through The Push by Ashley Audrey. So this book is so well-rated on Goodreads and has so many rave reviews on bookshop.org that I cannot wait to dive in to tell you a little bit about the book. It's a psychological drama about the making and breaking of a family and a woman whose experience of motherhood is nothing at all what she hoped for and everything she feared. Cannot wait to get into this one. As always, we will post the schedule on our Instagram page at booktalk underscore podcast. We'll also send it out in our newsletter. So if you'd rather get us in your inbox, um, just shoot us a DM with your email. We'll add you to that distribution list. So get your copy of a book if you get it from the library, from bookshop.org or a local bookstore. We hope this gives you a little bit of extra time to find that copy um, and tell your friends, family, coworkers, anyone who is looking to read more in 2021 to join our podcast book club. We would love to have them. Okay, one last thing is if you have thoughts about Safa, we would love to hear them. Um, DM us with what you thought about the book, what questions you have, what you want to know from our guests, and anything that's like on your mind. What do you think about Kelly? Did we get him right? Did we get him wrong? Is all of our hate for Alex justified? We'd love to hear from you and to incorporate your feedback about the book in next week's pod. Talk to you soon. Bye. Talk is made by me, Erica Bailey, and Katie Cheney, with production support from Dan White. Our theme music is by Dan White. We'll see you next week. <laughs> okay, wait, sorry, Katie. What? Katie. I can't say cringeworthy? <laughs> no, it's not prospective. They are their respective. God damn it! <laughs> Prospective is like who I want to be my girlfriends. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like that's the level of their relationship right now. I'm so Kay. sorry. I could oh, not let you go down time. like that. I appreciate you. Thank God. But I'm just so annoyed at this recap. Okay. <clears throat>